Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yeah, Friday. What's up and welcome in. March is three days old in 2023. We're Grant and Danny. You are listening to The Fan. At 3 o'clock, Eric Flack of Channel 9 News in town on Roger Goodell making a phone call to the mayor in December about RFK Stadium being the possible site of the new next stadium for the Commanders if they get a new owner. At 4 o'clock, ahead of our Beltway Blitz, we are giving away a four-pack of Capitals tickets to one of you listening right now. you got to be glued to the show at 4 and dial our number, and at that time, we'll give away those tickets. What's up, Danny? Huge day for your guy today. I, I feel like I've already lived a full life today. So my oldest is home because it's a, it's a weekday. So it's one of those, like, they don't have school. I don't know why. I feel like I love our school locally. We, they're great, but they just don't go to school anymore, the kids. I don't know when that happened, but it has happened. So he's at home, so that was a bit of a juggle. But I read, not even before that, I can tell you about this. I got, I somehow was deputized to get gifts for the basketball coaches for my son's team. So we got them. I'm not going to tell them what it is, but I got some gift cards here locally just in case they're listening for a job well done for Team Four Screen, whose next playoff game is Monday night. They're playing Graphite. Graphite's favorite in this one is what I'll tell you. We'll break that one down Monday when it comes time because it's a little early for that because it's Friday. How many teams are in this league that we need a Graphite? Well, there's like we a silver. Just, we could probably go blue, green, red, purple, orange. Teal. Nine teams, man. Yeah, I mean, graphite. I feel like there'd have to be, like, 42 teams to get to graphite. Well, they didn't want, like, a brown. You know, there were a couple they didn't want. So, like, you sort of going, going through the Crayola box. Graphite's nasty. I'm going to be honest with you. That is a squad. They got a great chance to win the whole thing. They're down lower in the seating because they didn't have a couple kids for some of their games. Lost those games, but at full strength, graphite's one of the favorites. There is a league out there somewhere where there's, like, a Burleywood. You know? <laughs> there's, right. like, 352 <laughs> teams, and it's like, we're playing Burleywood on Thursday. Are we? Sandal? So Aquamarine. Your yeah. colors. Yeah. So I got gifts for the coaches. Then for the little guy, I was a guest today for Dr. Seuss Day. Day. I went in. I was nervous about this. I speak for a living to the millions and millions of Grant and Nanny listeners. But I was nervous about this. I went in and read a Walk It in My Pocket Dr. Seuss book today. I'm going to be honest with you. I crushed. I crushed. I've read that book a time or two. Now, reading Dr. Seuss books, you get into rhythm. Yes. Because it's a, it's a pacing thing, but also you're hitting the cadence going up at the end for uh-huh. the rhyme. 
And when you start flipping those pages and you get in that rhythm, you almost sometimes have to slow yourself down. So you know that one page where, like, it's, uh, I mean, it sounds like Matthew McConaughey and um, in Wolf of Wall Street. It's like, it's a wazzy, it's a woozy, it's a wazzy, it's a it's a it's a flu. Like, you, like, you're doing that, you know, that one page and walking. Sure. You know what I'm talking about. That's a, that could be trick and trip you up. I crushed it. I'm not just saying this to, to brag. I'm telling you what happened. Well, you are bragging, but uh, it's a, it's I information. Everyone wants you to brag in this case. Yeah, I crushed, and it's like, okay, I thought I did really well. One kid, he's friends with my son, who doesn't care about me, but he's friends with friends with my little guy. He goes right away, read it again. Read it again. This is the coming into your kid's class and reading version of encore, yeah. encore in music. And, I'm, and I look up to the teacher, and she goes, it's okay. You can read it again. The whole class starts going, read it again. Read it again. I mean, I'm on cloud nine over here. I crushed it. Second I, time may be better than the first. I don't want to call out the teacher. Uh-huh. I think we need to have more planned today than uh-huh. to just have you run the book back a second time. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't need to read it twice. What a four. There's okay. Not, we're not, there's... So it's not second grade or no, anything. No, 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 no. You know no. what? Yeah. I stand corrected. I, I Basically, th- we're just trying to learn how to sit pretzel style and not bite each other. Yeah. we look. We, this is 15 minutes allotted. Got I read it. the book in about two and a half minutes. <laughs> so we got another 12 so, minutes hey, and change. Hey, you read it a third time? That's so, fine, too. So I ripped it the second time. Took some more minutes. Then we opened it up to questions. And so all of a sudden, one kid's asking me a question. He's like, what's a walking? Well, he's like, my, my it, it, like, I was like, never have any questions. One kid's hand shoots up right away. It's a kid, by the way, wonderful kid. He was on my son's soccer team. He's a great player. So I call on him. And he's like, my favorite part was, you'll notice there was no question in there. Just That's share his favorite thing, part. Yeah. Just, let's talk about our favorite part. Which is great. The next person, little, sweet little girl, just so adorable, so cute, raises her hand. I said, yes, you have a question. She goes, I have a play date tomorrow. Cool. <laughs> Again, not a question. Third kid raises it. I go, this, this has to be a question. He goes, did you know that cows eat shoes? Again, A, not true. B, not a question. They might eat shoes. And I, Well, I, I, I think they don't. No, but- no, it's not a food that they're known for eating, but there has probably been a cow somewhere at some point that, that ate a shoe. Tried to bite a shoe, and I said, yeah, it's not for me. And it's also a leather shoe. This feels wrong. But eventually, it just everyone shared things they were doing this weekend, things that cows ate. We made some cow sounds. Still like nine minutes to go, but it was a great time. Huge day for me. I'm still stuck on graphite as a teen. Why are you so bothered by that? It, bothered is not the right word. Fascinated. I was in leagues where the, the, the teams weren't named generally. It was the same yeah. thing. It was jersey colors. But it was, it's always, it's King George County, man. It's four or five teams, and it's red, blue, green, you know, maybe you're yellow, maybe you're orange. All right, orange, yes, yellow, yep, silver, lime, white, forest green, electric blue, purple, navy blue, red, graphite. So again, one of those is not like the others. I'd like you to acknowledge this, please. But if you're not willing to, that's fine. We we did come to the conclusion though. There's a lot of teams in this league. This is going to happen in Fairfax County. A little different than where I grew up. There's a bunch of colors being used. 11, uh, 11, 11 squats. I do just like the idea of a coach giving a speech where he's like, look, y'all rebounded well today, okay? But I'm looking at the schedule here, and we got Magenta in two weeks, all right? And you know Magenta's going to run. They're going to break your press. And when we play Plum, Plum is known. They just beat Olive a couple weeks ago by hitting threes. We got to get ready. The game that we're circling is Fuchsia. It's Fuchsia. Fuchsia <laughs> is the front runner this year. Everybody thinks what they just did to wheat, they embarrassed what wheat. They did to wheat. 
That's a good bet. Fuchsia's the team that we got to keep an eye out for because I'm telling you right now, preseason favorite Ivory, Ivory isn't here anymore. Okay, they lost every game they played so far. Like the, the idea of just yeah. these obscure colors, I can't get past. All right, referee, timeout, please. No, do not sit down. That's not how Graphite plays. Y'all look at me. Y'all look up. Right. Do y'all want to win this league? I answer, answer me. Look up, Keegan, with seven and percent in your name. Do you want to win this league? Do you want to win this league? It's not a, yes or no. The answer is yes. You do not sit down. You will get down in a defensive stance. That's not how Graphite plays. Graphite has a style. I mean, it is. That guy's brother calls him for Western Abbey birthday, and he's like, Frank, what are you doing? He's like, I'm watching film on Olden. I'm watching film. <laughs> Olden's got this kid. He looks too big for the league. I got to watch my film. Have you seen Lime play? Do you understand what Lime can do? Graphite. Graphite. What a world, man. Yeah. I don't know, man. Listen, it's. It, I'm sure it has to do with the supplier that makes the T-shirts. Yes. The numbers only go up to eight. You know what I mean? It's not. It's not. <laughs> I have not had as productive a day as you. Today. Yep. I will seed my normal efforts as to be to, to be the great dad. I'll say Danny Ruye, better dad than me. Hey, today. all right. Your boy was very lazy this morning. Okay. I think I am uh, not highly thought of in my home right now. Oh, no. I slept in. In fact, when I came downstairs, everyone was just kind of living their life, and it was not long before I had to leave for work. It was one of those like, hmm. Hmm. Yep. Sorry about that, everybody. I've been dad. You guys have been great. Have a great one. <laughs> like, I remember hours before that when my kids were climbing on me. I don't uh-huh. remember what happened since because I've been in bed asleep. Just one of those where I just didn't get up for whatever reason. No one woke me up. Uh-huh. And now it's it's late. How loud was that silence from from your spouse? Because you know the silence I'm talking about, wasn't right? too loud because I was asking a lot of questions. I was filling some of that silence. Yeah. Working ahead to tomorrow. You yeah. Know, where are we going to go tomorrow? What do you guys want to do? In terms of plants, here's what I was thinking. Just sharing. <laughs> so much of Just that. sharing hard. Just Anything I can to, do for you tonight? Just Let me know if you want to pick some up on the way home. <laughs> exactly. Happy to. Yeah. Anything you want me to do, I'll happy to do it. So much Later. overcompensating. Yeah. Uh, but the best Been thing there. that's happened to me rested. today. The best thing that's happened to me today. Luis Garcia taking Max Scherzer deep in spring training ball. Now, are you talking about this offensive juggernaut that is the Nationals? That scored eight runs in the third inning? Today they were. Yeah, they did. Scherzer getting chased 50 pitches and two plus innings in. Garcia hit a bomb to right field. Couple of run homer. Uh, two-run shot that should land sometime next week. But uh, it was good to see him turn on that pitch. Luis Garcia, after last year being one of the most important young players in the big leagues for this team, has been supplanted on my list of the guys that I am excited to watch this year for the Nationals. He's not in my top three anymore. He doesn't get a podium. For me, Cade Cavalli is my one seed. Mackenzie Gore probably gets the silver medal. And I'm going to put C.J. Abrams as the bronze medal award winner. And I'll be making the rounds in the minor leagues to go see the guys that I care about that are prospects like James Wood or Elijah Green, being Fredericksburg a lot, seeing the Fred Nats and, and their beautiful ballpark down near Central Park in Fredericksburg, which you think is some obscure place that no one's ever heard of, by the way. Never forget. But uh, Cavalli, Gore, and Abrams, Danny. That's my top three now. Luis Garcia has been supplanted on my, these are the guys I care the most about right now. Liz. Garcia just ahead of Cavalli for me. Really? And I can't explain why. I can't justify it. That shocks me. I think you watched Cavalli pitch one time. That time. You got the taste at the water fountain, uh-huh. and then you were pulled away. He's one of the top 100, I would still say, one of the top 60 prospects in baseball. First round pick a couple of years ago. You've seen a lot of Luis Garcia now, man. We I know. Gotta, we got to know that. I don't, that is. I don't. I can't defend it in a court of law. I would I would lose my case here. It would be thrown out. That They'd ask me probing questions, and I can't answer it. Just go with my instincts. I just think a guy that can put back to ball like he can. 
there's there's just something there that I'm still intrigued by, right? If he ever took a pitch, now that's what what that means is a pitch comes and he doesn't swing at it, which we have seen one or two times over the course of his career. If he did that slightly more frequently, he's never going to be you know Willie the Walker. He's he's never going to be a huge on base percentage guy. But if he could actually just hit quality strikes at times. I think that guy could really do some damage at the dish. I'm still intrigued by Luis Garcia. Our guy, uh, Cody Shook, who used to work here at the fan, just sent us a tweet at Grand H. Paulson at Funny Danny. This is actually a really good idea. He said the 345 segment today, which is winning off the field, perhaps Danny could read the book for a third time. Oh, I didn't have it. I don't have it on me. You think it's not online? There's this thing called no, the internet. No, no, no. It's, they, 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 they're, I'm sure there are rules. I think read the whole books a, a lot, I'll yeah. say. Mm-hmm. Maybe we get an excerpt. Of your reading. Hmm. Maybe Danny gives us just a little like dramatic like dramatic reading or like with characters and stuff. What are we thinking about? However, you did it today. Okay. However, you did it for the kids. All right. Maybe as part of our winning off the field 345 segment. That can be something. A dramatic reading from Danny Ruye of Walk It in My Pocket. Walk it in my pocket. We'll do that today here on the fan. Uh, there was a story that came out via the Washington Post late last night, and our guy Eric Flack from Channel 9 was all over it today. Uh, he'll be on the show at three o'clock about Roger Goodell calling Muriel Bowser reportedly in December, the commissioner of the NFL Uh and the um, mayor of Washington, D.C., on this phone call were discussing RFK Stadium as a site back in the mix for the commanders. Now, I'll say this, and this is not to belittle the report. I'm glad that we know this. Yes. This is what reporting is. Because I didn't before. To me, this shouldn't be news and isn't overly notable. Roger Goodell is the commissioner of the NFL. They want a stadium badly. His job is to try to help get a stadium done. Muriel Bowser is the mayor of Washington, D.C. There's one place in D.C. where there could be a stadium, and oh, by the way, it's the place where every single one of us wants the stadium to be. So the idea that they're talking about a stadium possibly being there is not that interesting to me, unless we are to assume that in this December call, Goodell is either making it because or telling the mayor there's going to be a new owner. Ah. When that happens, we need DC in the mix. Make this work. You get what you need done to get your ducks in a row so that in March, April, May, whenever this goes down, new owner comes in. Virginia, Maryland, and DC are all fighting for a stadium, and you guys are positioned, which is our number one site, the NFL I'm speaking for. Mm-hmm. We want this stadium at the RFK site. Get your ducks in a row. And if that's why he made the call, big deal. Otherwise, this is what should be happening. He should be talking to people in Virginia and in Maryland. That's kind of the gig, is it not? Yes. It's significant because of, I think, the second point that you made. That it's openly referring, again, to life after. Right? I mean, as Jason Wright did uh, last week, and we talked about it. And to me, that was the seminal moment for me that sort of made me go over to the other side saying, hey, this is is happening. We are full steam ahead. Goodell openly referring to time after because he's aware – he wouldn't make that call if Dan Snyder was going to own the team for the next two years, three years, four years, presumably, right? He Because he knows it's it's futile. It's it's a waste of time. He also offered lobbying assistance, which I think is is something, committing resources. So making a cursory phone call, we sure would like to have that happen. Okay, thanks very much for your time. He said, we'll help you in this regard, knowing that it's something that's not going to be an overnight process. It is incredibly complicated legally at this stage, and it's above my pay grade. Every time I start to figure out uh, I think I've got the permutations. There's another committee, another uh, different you know, you know, political ramification or somebody else that's got um, uh, you know, a score to settle or something else that may or may not be able to get this done. Be that as it may, it is 
something that you can't do like this, like an overnight type deal. You need to get the ball rolling. So it's encouraging. At least people are thinking about it in advance. So it goes back to December. What I did when I read this story last night is I spent a couple of minutes alone in my home with everybody else asleep, with my eyes closed, imagining a world where in five years, I am going to a commander's game in D.C., getting off the metro at the old RFK site. A new owner, I'm not sure who it's going to be, if it's Josh Harris or if it's uh, Tillman Fertitta or if it's some mystery owner we haven't heard about yet. Maybe it's Jeff Bezos is the owner of the team. The team is possibly named something else, but maybe I'm just more used to commanders and it's a cooler, better name because it's what I'm used to. But I'm waddling into that stadium to watch football where this team that everyone in this town has always loved is owned by someone else in this state-of-the-art, brilliant, and immaculate new stadium at the location where we all want. And in this hypothetical, let's get real crazy, they've got a young quarterback that's the envy of the league. I don't know how they got him. But they just have him. I don't know if it's year six Sam Howell, and he's in his prime, and he is gunning for the MVP award and coming off of his third straight Pro Bowl. Or if it's a guy they drafted two years from now who is the next great star in the NFL. I would urge all of you to think about that. Like, that is the possibility and the potential on the other side of this. Yes, the team could just be bad in perpetuity. It is possible that the next owner could really stink and that there could be major issues, different but similar to the ones that we deal with now. That's all possible. It's all on the table. I believe it is going to happen this offseason. Dan Snyder will sell. If that does happen and Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. start fighting for a stadium again, we're not talking about la-la land for me to start discussing new owner, RFK Stadium site, five years from now. Uh The only thing I'm going crazy with is throwing in, and they have a quarterback. And they also sold that quarterback thing that they never have (laughs) since Joe Theismann got hurt. But if we can't just sit here and dream about that a little bit. What's the point? Why do we care about the sale? Like, why are we living and dying with every report? Why are people getting... The tingling feeling in their stomach and and calling and texting buddies every time they hear there's another move toward Dan possibly yeah. selling. We're in Shawshank and it's we're Red and Andy talking about hope. And if like we now finally for the first time can listen to Andy Dufresne talk about how hope is the very best of things. It's it's the last thing, the thing they can't take from you. My friend Danny will go to a game again. 500 yards. He will be back in a stadium once more. So other significant detail from this, which is more interesting to me as a, a until recently, a D.C. resident. Danny, you might go to a football game. Yeah. Like, well, if all those boxes there. are checked, I'll go. I you'll, will go to a game. You'll be clapping and, I don't know, maybe even wearing gear yeah. at a game. You get me no Dan Steiner. You get me not FedEx Field. Yep, I'll see you there. We'll we'll tailgate. I'll I'll eat wings and barbecue and baked dance? beans and high five. Sure, I'll play music. Sure, sure, I'll dance around. I'll I'll do. I have a giant booty. I'll stick it right out and shimmy it a little bit. This detail is interesting to me. Bowser, who's been at odds with the city council, I, I promise you, I won't bore you with local politics. But they are not on the same page about nearly anything. Eleanor Holmes Norton, the delegate from Washington D.C., has said, "You guys need to work together. I can introduce legislation." Bowser met with Pelosi and Schumer. Not including Eleanor Holmes Norton, not including city council, trying for a Hail Mary to get something attached to the budget so that she could just skip to the end of the line and get this process all done. It wasn't it wasn't done in December. That was kind of the, I would say, Hail Mary, as, as kind of the Post referred to it, but it was there. To give you an idea that she wants this bad. The league, I think, wants this pretty bad. Not everybody else is on the same page, though.
maybe the next owner wants it bad uh. and has enough money to convince some other people that mm-hmm. they should want it too. Mm-hmm. Eric Flax got the latest on this story. We'll talk to him coming up at 3 o'clock. We got the four-pack of Caps tickets today at 4 o'clock right here on Grant and Danny. Next, Mel Kuyper's newest mock draft is out. He's got a name going to Washington in the middle of the first round that I've not seen yet. We'll tell you what he's thinking, and we'll try to decide for the commanders how they should go about their offseason. Should they try to fix the O-line in free agency or wait until the draft and sink some early-round assets into finding some linemen? That's next on G&D here on The Fan. This would be the possible minority owner of the Commanders soon, right? Welcome back, Grant and Danny (laughs) on The Fan. Much appreciate everybody making the show part of their day. I don't know why ESPN did this, but instead of saying Mel Kuyper came out with a new mock draft, they said Mel Kuyper assigns teams first-round picks. Can't we just call that a mock draft? Are we not doing that now? I've been assigned by Mel Kuyper? What do I have to do? Anything? The the story they wrote, it said Mel Kuyper assigns every first-round team a draft pick. So a mock draft. And I looked at it. I'm like, okay, so if it's not a mock draft, what is this then? What does it mean? He's assigning them picks. And then it was quite literally a mock draft. That's what it was. It's a larger trend where you can't just say what it is anymore. You have to come up with a new term. Can anyone think of anything else like that? Starting quarterback QB1. This is happening across sports now. We can't just say what it is. We've We've got to come up with a new fancy way to say the same thing. I don't get it. I am a little bit annoyed by the QB1 thing too. Mainly because I think it is a term like tutty for touchdown. That has become overused, and it's just like bros in Arlington over saying it at Spider Kelly's or something while they're playing Papa Shot. Mm-hmm. But you really are annoyed by it, I can tell. I'm supremely this, annoyed. This is three straight days in the first hour where you've just gone out of your way to bring up that yeah. Ron Rivera overuses QB1. I take, I'm taking detours to it because it, it is a – there's something about it where there's a smugness there, like that I know something you don't know, and I know the distinction instead of just like sort of saying what you mean. If you don't want to reveal to me, like, hey, he's the only quarterback on the roster. Yes. So right now he can't be QB7. He can't be QB3 or even two. He's one. Totally fine. But you're trying to do like a I'm smarter than you bit, and I'm, you're not going to catch me in a verbal trap. If you don't want to say he's the starter at this point, that's your right. That is your absolute right. And idiots like me will be left to decipher. There's something about this thing that really bothers me. And I haven't put my finger on it, but it does. We're two ships passing in the night. Your annoyance is the Rivera angle of he's not saying starter, but he's saying QB1. It really is. What I'm saying is the term has gotten to a point to me where it's annoying. In other words, it's football jargon. And I am a fan of using football parlance and and lexicon, right? Like the words, and you kind of feel like an insider. You feel like Sean McVay when you're like, he's got functional football speed. You know, they run 50 series for read option. Like, I am known to do this. I like doing this. It does make me feel good about myself and Mm -hmm. smart. But this one has jumped the shark to me where it's just. Every team Twitter account, like, well, the guy walks into practice, slow motion video, weird music, sky, time lapse overhead, hashtag QB1. Netflix had a documentary show come out. Called QB1. Six years ago, maybe, seven Uh years ago, called QB1. And that was when the term kind of had taken off. And at that time, go back, pull the audio. I'm, I'm probably using QB1 a lot. Yeah, I was over QB1. It, it was cool, and it's letters and numbers, and it's different than saying starter. Now I think if you're using it, it just feels like a dad or someone who's trying really hard. Yeah, it's like it's like when your dad joins Facebook, like 10 years after everybody else. It's a little That's what bit it is. like that. Yeah, I get it. Uh, so anyway, so Mel Kuyper assigned teams picks. This is not a mock draft. It's a mock draft. Reminds me a lot of the, the, the commanders not having a cheerleading team anymore. 
Very important to note it's a dance team. Now, they cheer, and they wear cheerleading outfits. Is it an entertainment team? Maybe that's true. It, I can't remember which one it is. I think it, it's a dance team. Yeah. But uh, the pick that he assigned to Washington Leading in this exercise, cheers. that was not a mock draft. Darnell Wright, offensive tackle, Tennessee. He's got a crazy run on offensive tackles in the first round from picks 10 to 17. Washington obviously has the 16th pick. Kuyper writes, this is the end of my mini run for offensive linemen. Four projected to go in these seven picks between 10 and 16. A really solid class on the O-line. Now, this guy, Darnell Wright, I don't expect everyone to know who he is. I had to do some digging. Uh, he played a ton for the Volunteers at Tennessee. He has played left tackle. He has played right tackle. He has played guard on the right side for them as well. He made 42 appearances for them, almost all of them starts at Tennessee over the last several years. In fact, of all the guys Kuyper's got going in this mid-first round in the tackle-guard mix, this is by far the most accomplished and experienced of them. So I see this and I get to thinking, okay, how would I feel about the commanders going O-line in the first round? And you guys already know this. I'm on record. I love it. Absolutely no problem. You want to take a tackle? You're going to start him on the right side opposite Charles Leno. You're going to kick Sam Cosme to guard. That's perfect. Because the value at 16 generally is tackle over guard. The one issue is you're probably getting the last of the remaining top tier of tackles. So other teams are making the pick for you in a way. But I don't have a problem with that. They could also possibly take the best guard in the country, right? Osiris Torrance, as an example, is a guy who could go. I think he's probably going later in the first round than 16. But maybe they do what they did with Jahan Dotson. A little trade back piece. They moved back a handful of picks last year and picked Jahan Dotson. They could do the exact same thing this year with Osiris Torrance and take a guard in round one. I will not be upset if they go offensive line with their first pick. I'll tell you that right now. I'll be thrilled. Thrilled all about it. And, he, and even still, you think about some of those programs where people have done kind of internships where you go, right now he's a right tackle, but you could look up in a couple of years as Charles Leno starts to get more wear and tear and a bit older. Maybe he's your long-term franchise left tackle over the course of his rookie deal. Something like that. Like you, you, you start him on the right, move him to the left. Teams have done that. That certainly works for me. But addressing that position with a first-round pick, Position premium, talking about a tackle, I love that. The question really to me then becomes, look, free agency comes before the draft. And so free agency should be used to fill all the holes that you can, throw money at those problems, bring in players you like, so that ideally in the draft you're not drafting for need because you have to get a starting guard, because you have to get a tackle. You're drafting for want. You know, at that point you can make better picks. It, to me it's it's the shopping while hungry or shopping after you've had dinner. Mm -hmm. If I go to the grocery store and I haven't eaten yet, my cart's going to look pretty quirky. We're going to have some cookies. We're going to have some chips. But then we're also going to have, like, deviled eggs for some reason, you know, or, like, some chicken wings that are What's just ready right now. out somewhere, you <laughs> yeah. know? If I go to dinner and then I go, I make better decisions. I'm not starving, so I don't really need those cookies. I could probably do without those. I hope that in free agency they address and splash at some of the skill spots, specifically on defense. Go get your corner in free agency, ideally. Now, if you're sitting at 16 and you haven't done that, you want to draft Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State, who Jahan Dotson advocated for on our show a couple days ago, no problem. That, that'd be a great pick. But I think my preference, Danny, would be to spend in other places and to address the offensive line in the draft. Because for whatever reason, it does seem like, at a greater clip than other positions, linemen are a little more plug-and-play. 
which isn't to say you can't miss, but it is harder, especially in the first round, mm-hmm. to miss on a tackle or a guard. Especially, with, especially when it's one of those guys that's got multi-years of starting experience. And this is anecdotal. I can't prove this. But it feels like the guy that was flash in the pan, came on strong, only had eight starts, but is a, is a wow at the combine. Maybe sometimes that can be a miss. You start to look up at, at uh, you know, somebody that started for you know three, four years as it was part of a, a renaissance team and Darnell Wright, that might feel a little bit more secure right there, especially if you're not asking to be your, your, your starting left tackle right away. And it's more, you know, a little bit lower impact as a right tackle. That would make a lot of sense to me. I hear a lot in this fan base of questioning Charles Leno, suggesting that they need to do something else at left tackle, which I don't believe they're going to do. And there's two reasons for that. One, he's been paid and he is on the books. But two, he is better than he gets credit for. I think he probably struggled at the end of last season a little bit, and I'm not sure why. Maybe there's wear and tear. Maybe he wasn't healthy. Maybe he had a bad few weeks. Whatever it was, I don't know that he finished the year how he started it. Leno has been here for two years. He got an upper echelon, terrific PFF grade in 2021 at the tackle position, 81.2. And then the following season last year, 71.6, still in the green, still considered well above adequate. I would say good at the tackle position. Now, he was outstanding as a pass blocker compared to as a run blocker where his grade is not quite as good. Just as an example, overall, he was a 72 last year, which... You know, they color code things like uh-huh. blue is elite and then you're dark green to light green before you get to orange and then yellow and then red. As you go down the scale toward red, you get bad, obviously. He was basically, as a pass blocker, dark green. He was an 81. As a run blocker, he was orange becoming yellow, 55.9. Not nearly as good. My point is, they're not going to be in the market for a left tackle. They decided last offseason that they really liked this guy. He was brought in, not by the last regime, but by this regime. Mm -hmm. And this group has since decided to pay him. So if you have Leno at left tackle, almost everything else is now to be determined. Left guard, they probably have an opening. Center, Chase Rouye is under contract, but one of your highest paid players. I think you either tear that deal up or move on from him or restructure. But one way or the other, you're probably in the market for a center. Or he's going to have to pay a little bit back to you to, to be your starting center next year after... There's two serious injuries he's had. And then you have two spots on the right side. Cosme's going to op- occupy one of them. I think they kick him from tackle to guard. If they don't, he's a tackle. You need a guard. Yes, yeah, so if you add a tackle, you've already got a new guard. If you add a guard, you've got a new guard. So Correct. a new starting lineman solves two, two spots there. But the question is, do they think Cosme is a good tackle or not? Midway through last season, I started to hear from people in the building they want him to be their right guard of the future. If that's the case, okay, then take a tackle in the first round. Yeah, no issue there. Uh, the the Rulia cousin Chase um, complication is, is going to be interesting as well because it's not gr- really cost-effective just to cut him. It's a pretty big uh, dead cap hit there. You could prorate it over a couple of years probably, but still it's significant. You you know, when you pay a guy like that, you need him to be able to play for you. Maybe there's a renegotiation there. As you said, maybe there's a there's a pay cut with some incentive and maybe to lengthen the deal, you could figure some stuff out. But you potentially need three new offensive linemen uh, after their kind of experiment to get former Carolina Panthers last year, I would say blew up in their face. If they spend and fix some needs with some of their money and flexibility in free agency, they have freed up this week $30 million because of waving Carson Wentz and Bobby McCain, right? They're going to have cap space. We can update you on how much cap space they have. Start a next segment. But let's just say they go out and they they do some things that we feel like they need to do. They go get a cornerback. 
They solidify the secondary. They make a move or two at some other areas where there's a lack of depth. On a scale of love to hate, love is a 10, you know, hate is a 1. What if they took back-to-back linemen at the start of the draft? Like, if they don't do anything other than a couple of journeyman jag types in free agency, but then their first rounder and their second rounder are O-linemen, and both of those guys are starting. One at right tackle, one at left guard. Like, I'm okay with that. But I also know that that is boring and not a needle mover for fans who are looking to buy draft picks of Chase Young, who you take in the first round. Mm -hmm. Even when you take a linebacker like Jamin Davis, who looks like an Adonis with his shirt off. Last year, it was a skill guy in Jahan Dotson. That's good radio. You know, that that's that, that moves copies. Boring your, is delightful. I think boring is good. Boring is good. Do you think this fan base is on board with that? I mean, a couple diehards will we'll, we'll go, the Hogs, 1980s, linemen, bah, and lose their minds. But for the most part, yeah. I mean, the, you know where the needle, the needle movers are. So then that's the question for you guys. At 800-636-1067, we'll, we'll uh, look into the cap space here in a moment, but... Would you rather address the O-line in free agency or in the draft? And could you be okay with kind of neglecting spending big money on proven linemen in the first part of this offseason coming up in less than two weeks when free agency starts so that you can prioritize the top of the draft board and, and finding your starters there? Or would you rather go the opposite direction, vice versa? Hey, let's actually spend on the O-line. Let's throw money at that problem and fix that going into the draft and then we'll find the corner or whatever else because that's not as big a need. We all agree, especially if you're going with Sam Howley, kid at quarterback, O-line is your biggest priority. MGM National Harbor Listener Lines, they're for you. 800-636-1067. 800-636-1067. Eric Flack on RFK Stadium site, possibly being in play with a new owner at 3. And at 4 o'clock, we got four Caps tickets for you right here on The Fan. How would you prefer the Commanders fix their broken offensive line? It was a strength at one point just a couple of years ago. I'll tell you, I got a lot wrong about their line going into last season, but it continued to deteriorate and fall apart as the year went on because after releasing both starting guards or allowing Sheriff to walk in free agency, Washington swung and missed on replacements. Now, they've got some young depth in the system. Chris Paul flashed when he got to play at the end of the year probably worth taking a look-see at among some of their options on the inside. But we know they're going to throw assets at the offensive line. I was told early this offseason, the day I found out, frankly, that they were going to roll with Sam Howell, that was contingent upon a second point, which is we're going to make our biggest priority of the next few months getting a lot better up front in front of him. The question we're asking you guys, let's just assume they do that. How do you want to attack it? Would you prefer to spend money in free agency? Upgrade the O-line, kind of fix the problem before the draft, and then be able to fill in some other holes at other places because that's the number one need, so don't wait? Or would you rather go the way that I'm kind of hoping they do, which is I'll spend elsewhere. I'll draft linemen. I, I think it's easier to hit on those guys. Ideally, starting right at number 16 where I could take a tackle or a guard that I love. But let's say they don't take a lineman in the first round. I think you can find a starting guard in the second round. Quite sure you can find a starting guard in the third round, possibly, in this deep draft as well. 800-636-1067. I'm a believer in sensible, sharp, smart team building. 
And the reason I bring that up is because the most cost-effective thing you can have in this sport is what? A starting quarterback that's on a rookie deal. The other positions that are at a premium these days are tackle, wide receiver, cornerback, pass rusher. You've got a few of those at the at the other spots, right? You've got draft picks at corner. You've got draft picks on your defensive line to rush the passer. You've got one tackle taken care of. The most cost-effective thing they could do in this draft is draft a starting tackle. That position is now getting paid $20 million in free agency. That number isn't going down. You could find a starting caliber corner, maybe a number two, maybe a number three, for much cheaper than you could find a guy to start a tackle opposite. It's the smartest thing to do is to draft a tackle. There's also the fact that it's pretty easy to upgrade, or at least there's a path to seeing a guy start at maybe four of the five spots. Because other than left tackle with Leno, and I'll just reiterate, I think this fan base, which has been a little bit negative on him lately, is is completely overreacting to the end of the season. He ranked 11th out of 57 qualifying tackles via PFF in pass blocking grade this year. The other four spots, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle, Cosme's going to start at one of the two spots on the right side, kind of up for grabs. And I know that Roulier is really good. I think he was completely underrated for a couple of years. But it's been now back-to-back years with serious injuries, and he makes a lot more money than, frankly, he's been able to perform for you, yep. which could make him a casualty and at least puts a question mark next to his name at center. Let's go to Nate in Centerville on G&D. Nate the Great. Hey, Nate. What's up? Hey, guys. What's going on? Um you know, I'm looking at it both ways. I think, Grant, to your point, you know, a lot of offensive linemen is plug and play. I think you can probably find some better and cheaper interior offensive linemen. They're already talking about moving Sam Cosme in. Who knows what they're going to do with Roulier. So maybe you only have one hole to fill on that left guard spot. Uh, I'm usually very anti-offensive line in the first round. It's boring. I want big, flashy players, uh, big play potential. But this class is so deep, man. I love so many tackles in this class. There's that tackle out of Georgia, Broderick Jones, if he's falling down to us i think you take him you guys talked about uh the guy from tennessee who i mean i've read a couple of things i'm not gonna sit here and pretend i'm a draft expert but i've seen some late first early second so at 16 maybe you move back who cares um but i also think too you know you, if you if something falls into your lap in free agency and then you're sitting there at 16 you have this tackle from tennessee or joey porter jr or christian gonzalez from oregon falls to you like you know t- bpa right i mean this came has a lot of holes you got a lot of stuff you got to to work towards next year, take the best player available. Who cares where the money's spent, right? So this is the big, I guess, argument to some extent for addressing the the offensive line before the draft. And this is what teams try to do and want to do. In fact, I heard Ron Rivera in yet another interview I saw last night Hmm. with Pro Football Focus. He did at the Combine talking about this idea that you want to fill all of your vacancies. You know, all the things you're worried about, you want to do that in free agency that you don't have to draft anything specific, any position. You don't go in with a major need, which is not what they've done here, by the way. They've they've done the opposite. They've had needs, and they've had to fill them in the draft. But ideally, they don't want to be in that situation. To the caller's point, you might think, well, if you're deep at tackle in this class, which everyone says it is, you don't have to go with one in the first round. But it actually works the opposite way, where you might get a player at 16 that might normally go at 7. You know, like Peter Skaronsky of Northwestern right now, 10 to the Eagles. Um, Paris Johnson Jr., tackle Ohio State, 11 to the Titans. Anton Harrison, tackle Oklahoma, 13 to the Jets. If they took Darnell Wright like Kuyper thinks they will at 16 out of Tennessee, you're getting a fourth or fifth best tackle in this draft class maybe, depending on where Broderick Jones from Georgia goes. Kuyper's got him going 31 to the Chiefs. But the point is, Danny, that guy might go 10, 12 picks earlier some years. 
This year he might mm-hmm. fall because there's just that many good tackles. Or, or you know, teams that are prioritizing something else ahead of them, quarterback earlier, or somebody needs a receiver, or, you know, a defensive end, something like that. You, you, you play each one differently. We'll move Eric Flack. We're going to talk to him about RFK Stadium as a site being back in play with a new owner. He's got some news and some intel on that. He's been digging around. So we'll talk to the uh, investigative journalist from Channel 9 in town on that at 325. Uh, we'll move him so that we can hear from you guys next. We want to hit your calls hard here at 800-636-1067. Give us your plan and your blueprint to address the offensive line this offseason. Kuiper says he thinks Washington goes tackle in round one. You're listening to G&D. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 